You're my help and my defender. You're my savior and my friend. By your grace I live and breathe to worship you. At the mention of your greatness, in your name I will bow down. In your presence fear is silent, for you wear the victor's crown. Let your glory fill this temple, let your power overflow. By your grace I live and breathe to worship you.
today ready for springtime maybe only just in your heart but you I heard it's gonna be 50 degrees today somebody needs a shout right there <laughs> it is so good to see you in the house of the Lord turn to somebody and say you looking mighty fine today now we're going to pray the prayer of repentance for all of you who had to tell a fib. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> turn and not you while you while you're doing that, why don't you turn around and just shake two or three hands of people standing there beside you, around you. Introduce yourself to somebody if uh, you don't know them very well. The Bible says you want friends, show yourself friendly. Thank you. Part of our job on Sunday in, that, in just that few minutes is to make people feel like they're wanted here, they're accepted here, and they're welcome here. If you are a first-time guest here today, or you're someone who's just new to our church, I want to, on behalf of the Stratford Heights Church family, I want to thank you for being here, and I want to let you know you are absolutely Welcome at the Stratford Heights Church of God. We love you today. Amen. It is good to see you in God's house. If you would, um, just take a moment and, and be seated. We're going to let you hear a couple things, talk about a couple things. Coming in just a moment, Valerie Luby is going to be crowning our little master and miss uh, this year. We do this every year as a fundraiser for our, our nursery department, and uh, she does such a great job. Valerie, I want to publicly thank you for running our, our nursery and, and not just allowing it to be a occupation or career that you do in church as an obligation to ministry, but you care very much about the children, the babies. You care about the messages that they receive. And you want to pour into them. And I love the fact that you have lessons prepared. Somebody made a remark years ago. They said, you don't have to have a lesson for a newborn. But you know, it is those messages that you're pouring into those precious little ears. How many of you know, even professionals tell us, that the first two years of a baby's life are the most important years of their life. Their entire personality and everything about them is developed during that time. So I appreciate that she takes the time that she does. And I want us right now, if you will help me, I want to appreciate Valerie Luby for her work in the nursery ministry.
she's going to come in just a moment, but I, I, wanted, I wanted to say hello, and I'm back, and the polar bear didn't eat me. As a matter of fact, the Lord taught me a powerful lesson because the pastor at the Barrow Church took Stephen Turner and I and, and Stan Holder, the bishop over Alaska, he took us on a polar bear hunting expedition. We, we got in the car and we were determined to go driving around uh, Barrow and find polar bears. We drove you know, to the edge of town, which was three miles. And uh, we, uh, the, the city itself is only one mile, but they have this extra road that goes three miles because sometimes people in Barrow want to take a drive. But he took us polar bear hunting, and we couldn't find a polar bear anywhere. I mean, I was so upset. I was so upset. I looked. I had squinted my eyes. I was looking out over the Arctic frozen ocean, and I, I was like, there's one. No, that's not one. And we just looked and looked and looked. We, we did it late at night, thinking they'd come out at night. We did it early in the morning, thinking they'd come out in the morning, and we didn't find one. And I looked at the pastor, and I said, well, I'm so disappointed. I said, I wanted to see a polar bear. And you know the Lord chided me? Right then and there, he said, well, don't pray you want me to protect you from the polar bears and then go looking for them. I felt bad all of a sudden because I prayed, Lord, protect me from them man-eating polar bears. And then he did that, and then I get upset. I belly ached and whined at the Lord because I didn't see a polar bear. So I apologize for that. We got back safely. It was a wonderful trip. I'm glad to report to you, I have no idea how many people got saved. There were so many. God blessed in that service, and it was so good. The services were, were wonderful. The presence of God was there, and God moved in a mighty way. And it was just good to minister with the, the people at the New Beginning Church of God. And I know several of them, a lot of them, are watching online at our right now so I want you if you would just tell Barrow Church of God New Beginnings Church of God that you love them and that we are part of them and they're part of us would you just make them feel welcome today we love you New Beginnings Church of God for four years we have been helping them to build a brand new building I'd like them if they've got those slides ready I'd like us to go ahead and do that right now Bring the lights down, and let's look at what we got. We're going to go through them very quickly because I, I don't want to take away from the service too much, but I did bring some photos for you that I wanted you to be able to see. This is the big sign, welcome us uh, into Barrow. It says top of the world, and it absolutely is in the right inside, several miles inside the Arctic Circle. The, the, frozen, the ocean, Arctic Ocean was frozen for over a half mile out uh, past the beach. And uh, go on to the next one there, guys. This is in the service in this new building. They are so proud of the new church that you and I helped to build over the last four years. And they, they are so happy about us. Look how nice this is. There were some 165 people at the dedication for this new building. This is Pastor Dave Matthews and his wife, Tina they are the most delightful, wonderful people that you will ever meet. They're, I'm looking forward. I've invited them to come down to the lower 48 to be with us. So he's going to come not very soon. That guy, I don't know who he is. He was singing and preaching. 
they gave us a certificate there as Bishop Stan Holder, who was there with us as well. And then the, you see the beautiful sanctuary uh, that they have. And this is the outside of the building as you're coming in. Um, there's Bishop Stan Holder and then some of the folks in the audience there. Just a wonderful service. The kids, they had so many kids that were part of the worship in the service. It was really beautiful to see them uh, give like they did. This is kind of a little bit of a look of what we saw as we drove around. There was just nothing but snow. That is the Arctic Ocean, and that's the beach. Uh, I'm standing there with what they, the, it's kind of like the arch, the entrance into Barrow. That is whale bones that uh, they have stuck in the ground there at Barrow. This is part of the fellowship hall of that building that we, that we are looking at. Another view of the sanctuary. This was a precious, one of the native ladies who, who gave a wonderful ministry and song and dance, and she did a beautiful job, worshiped the Lord. And this was typical of what we saw from some of the native ladies. That they carry their kids in these, these beautiful pouches on their back, and the kids just wrap all up in that, and it's just really beautiful. This is my experience. This is whale blubber. It is known as muktuk. And the lady who handed it to me, she said, Pastor Ray, she goes, I want to give you some muktuk for you to take back to the hotel. And I was like, well, thank you very much. And I was like, and she goes, it's whale. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Got back to the hotel. Uh, Steve and I tried it. Steve Turner went with me. His wife let him go. And uh, he, he went with me, and, and we both were daring enough. We tried the whale blubber, but I will never eat it again in my life. I ate one of them, and uh, the chewiest thing I've ever eaten in my life, and uh, the whale, the skin part of it, the black part that you see back there. Oh, go back, guys. That black part you see, that's the actual orca part. That you see the Shamu? <laughs> that's Shamu yeah, right there. And um, that is like eating rubber tires. <laughs> it's, but the thing about it is the people in Barrow absolutely love this stuff. I had a whole plate of it. I took it downstairs and I, I went up to the counter. Two young ladies were working the counter overnight and I, I said, I am from Cincinnati area. I said, I've come up here to speak to the New Beginnings Church. I said, they gave me some, some muck tuck. Oh, did you like it? I was like, no. <laughs> and uh, she, she said, oh, we love muck tuck. And I was like, well, good. Because I pulled the plate up and I said, <laughs> I said, uh, would you enjoy this this evening? And oh, yes, I'm starving. And they just started <laughs> just eating it all up. So they enjoyed that. But then last but not least, on our way out, it was a, like a blizzard when we were leaving. And one of the local, local guys there from one of the Indian tribes, he literally jumped in and, and took a hold of our picture. That kind of, to me, it, it, he photobombed is what they call that. But he, uh, I didn't know him. We met him after that because we wanted to give, you want know, to tell him that thousands of people were going to see his picture. But uh, we, uh, we, uh, that kind of sums up the way the people were. The people in Barrow were so friendly and so kind, uh, serving. Uh, the young people at their church were so serving. And it was just a beautiful experience in every way. And what was really important was the services. God moved and ministered to people in wonderful ways. One particular instance I won't share, just unbelievable the way the Lord 
gave a word for a young lady who was who was at the end of her life struggling with some of the things that they as you can imagine when you're in the tundra and you're literally up at the edge of the earth and it's freezing cold minus 57 degrees wind chill when we were leaving that day the temperature itself I think they said it was minus 21 so you can imagine how cold it was and how, how unbelievable it's dark a lot of the year and one of the things the pastor shared with me was that the people of Barrow sometimes suffer from deep depression as you can imagine and that was one of the things the Lord showed me in the services we ministered in and I was able to really minister and God really directed me to people who needed deliverance from depression and so it was a wonderful trip like I said so many people accepted Christ and it was just a wonderful successful trip in many ways and I, I'll share a little bit more about that in the message uh, one particular miracle that I, I want to share with you about God's power that comes along and does the impossible and I'm going to share that with you in a few minutes but right now I want Valerie Luby if she'll come and introduce our ma little miss and little master and uh, we'll announce those winners this morning Should be on there. Have to put it up to my mic. <laughs> that would help, wouldn't it? Well, it's been um, a long couple months, and we've been waiting and waiting. In the last two weeks, we had to be postponed, but we shall not be postponed any further. Um, in 2014, there were 17 babies born. Um, of the 17, only seven decided to participate, which that was okay. Um, in 2015, we already have 18 that are coming in the month, and it's, we're not, it's not done yet. Two have actually been born so far, so that's exciting. Um, birth through five, we have about 100, uh, 170 children in this church, which is quite a lot of young little ones running around. Um, it is my privilege to be able to minister to them and to get things ready for their lessons, et cetera, et cetera, and I won't... Um, this year, we actually raised more than we've ever <laughs> raised, even with just seven kids. $2,614.82. That's a lot. That is, like, huge. That's huge. Which, of course, we're going to tithe part of that back to um, the building fund, perhaps. Maybe that would be good. Um, anyway, without further ado, I need two hands. We're going to do the Little Miss first. It's in an official envelope here. And there's Ollie on it. Can't get it open. Pastor, would you like to announce? Yes. <laughs> okay. Congratulations. Madison Dooley. Yee! You are Little Miss 2015. <laughs> I want a picture. Thank you. Get in here. 
Perfect. Master, I'm going to say this one. Whatever. Because <laughs> I've been practicing. Okay, our little master is Mr. Master Esteban Sequencia. Yeah? Did I say it right? Sequencia. Yeah. Brian wants to take one. Congratulations. All right. Yeah, let's give it up for all of our, all those folks that with babies. Thank you for the support. Hey, we want to tell you about our Easter eggs. We are selling Easter eggs. Did anybody know that? I have a song that I've written about that. It's really awful. So I'm not going to sing it this morning, but some Sunday night I may break that bad boy out. That is, a fun, that is our only fundraiser that we do for the music department. That helps us buy instruments, computers, all the stuff we need trying to keep updated with what's happening in the music world today. And you can help us by buying them, but you can help us even better by taking a sheet and selling them for us. Uh, they have the sheets out at the table. Just ask for them. Take them. We collect the money up front. You know how that goes. And, but they're great eggs. Uh, we never have a problem with quality. Uh, they're, they're the best, and they're the freshest. Uh, they've not been sitting in the warehouse since last Easter, and uh, you'll, you'll love them. We never, once we make a sale on them, we never have trouble reselling them because the people want them. I also want to talk about our, our Easter musical that's coming up, our production, He Looked Beyond My Faults. We have these cards. They're out there at the Welcome Center. Take those and hand them out. They're not tickets. They're just something to tell the people about our cantata or about our musical. It's going to be really anointed this year. It has been every year, but I'm just telling you we've been working on it. And every time we meet on that, I just feel the Holy Spirit. And that's why we do it. If you've got people that you need to be saved, then bring them. Bring them. God moves. He's anointing it. And it's going to be a great weekend. That's on Friday and Saturday and Sunday morning of Easter. So please come be a part of that. Would you stand and let's worship the Lord. Thou, O Lord, 
So I wouldn't let go. So I'm here. 
sweet the sound that saved that saved the rich like me well I once I once was lost oh but now I'm fine, and I was blind, but now oh, I see. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I Was grace, was grace that brought these things and grace and Son, we know 
Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise Excited to go? Bright shining as the sun. Oh, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we Give the Lord great praise this morning. Hallelujah. Praise God. There's a lot of victory in this house. Chrissy gave her heart back to Jesus this morning, right here in the altar. Amen. Many other folks were blessed and touched. And, and we've just started. Isn't it good to be in God's house today? If it is, turn around to somebody and say, the Lord is here. The Lord is here. Amen. Before you're seated, we're going to pray together as a congregation for the state of Israel. Now I hope that you don't ever get to the place where you see this as just some humdrum thing we do in the middle of service somewhere. This is an important strategic time in the history of our country. Never more important that we stand with Israel. I heard three amens, and I got a couple of people clapping. I don't over-politicize. I'm not going to go into a big old political drama up here in the pulpit. We got, we got other work to do. But I will tell you this. Israel is God's chosen people. Every Christian who reads the Bible knows that Israel is part of his plan. And he's got plans to save them. He's got plans to reveal to them. And he brought the Son of God through them. I honor the state of Israel. And if you read history at all, I'm not talking about history that's just in the news. I'm talking about biblical history. If you read biblical history, you know what they're fighting for. You know what's going on. And it's time for us as fellow believers in Jehovah God to agree and to pray for protection and to seek their good. The Bible says, seek the good of Israel that it be good with you. You receive blessing over your house. Now, if you listen to too many television shows, come on, somebody. I can get an amen right there. If you listen to too many television shows, they'll tell you what to think. Thank you. If you're not careful, they'll tell you what you are supposed to think. You go to the Word of God. 
That's where you get your thoughts, your mind, your wisdom. I want you in a unified prayer today to grab a hand of somebody standing beside you. And I want us to seriously commit to prayer this morning for Israel. And while we're at it, can we add Christians in these foreign countries who are being kidnapped and beheaded? We're living in a day and an hour that looks a whole lot like we're fixing to depart. How many of you believe the Lord is coming very soon? I believe it's right at the door. Oh, I felt him. I just felt a check of the Holy Ghost. I felt a check in my spirit. Prepare your heart. Prepare your way. Make your reservation sure Jesus Christ is just at the door ready to split the eastern sky, coming with a trumpet to herald his soon return. He's coming for a church without spot, without wrinkle, and without blemish. He's coming for folks who cannot save themselves. Say amen. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been redeemed. Let's pray for Israel right now. Father, as we come before you, we thank you this morning for wisdom in the word of God that leads us in a blessed path. We pray that you will touch the sons and the daughters of Israel. We pray for the Jewish nation and ask you to protect them from enemies that would see them wiped off the face of the map. God, they've had these same enemies for thousands of years. Generations have seen them come and go. But Lord, your hand has always stayed upon Israel. We ask you to protect their borders. We ask you to protect their men, their women, their families, their grandmothers and grandfathers. We ask you, Lord, to protect the heritage of the Jewish nation. And Lord, we seek their good. We pray in the name of Jesus for blessing and for favor to be over them. God, we pray that hedge of protection around them and pray that your mighty hand will continue to see them fruitful and bountiful in giving glory and honor to their place in history. We give you glory and honor for it all, for we don't pray it in the name of any other God. We pray it in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And we ask you these things, giving you glory. And everyone together said, Amen. 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 You may be seated. I won't get real preachy. But it's important that you don't just go along with what other human beings tell you. In the last days, you got to be more careful than you've ever been listening to voices that will destroy you, that will take you down the wrong path and take everything you got away from you. I'm like a father this morning. I'm telling you, you need to listen to the voice of the Lord and the Word of God. You need to find your path in the Word, and that's where you need to stick your nose and you need to stick your business. Feel like I ought to have glasses on the end of my nose right here. Where is Lonnie? Lonnie Helton. I believe you're here. Stand up, sir. 
This guy has been from death back to life, and he is back in church this morning. Lonnie, we have missed you. We've been praying for you. We're so glad to see you today. God bless you. We love you. Well, while I was gone, y'all played hooky. Y'all didn't have church last Sunday. I hear the weather is bad. You ain't seen bad till you've been to Barrow. You old bunch of sissies. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> That'll be on tape forever. It is time for us to receive our morning worship giving, our offering, our tithe. And I would ask you this morning to be cognitive of one thing. The week before I left, we had horrible weather, and half of you didn't come. And then we didn't have church at all last Sunday. And so you know what that means sometimes. That sometimes means that people go, a free day. I don't have to give. So today, for all those who love God. Oh, didn't I say that right? If you love God. W.P. Atkinson, when I was at Lee University, we would go to, I would go to North Cleveland. That's where I attended. And he would get up and he'd say, everybody who loves God, get something in your hand right now. And then he'd let everybody do that. And then he'd say, now lift that money up. And he'd say, bring that to God. And he made the ushers just turn around, made them walk. Now, I'm not going to make them do that this morning, although I might next week. But what I am going to ask you to do is just be cognizant of the fact that we had two really, really bad weeks and um, when it comes to lights and electricity and, and all the things that we need to do and take care of. So I'm asking you to, to help your church, to take care of your church. How many would say, I don't do this very often? I mean, how many would say, you don't, Pastor, you don't get up and do that? I'm appealing to you this morning like we would our family if our family was sitting around and we didn't get a paycheck for two weeks. I'd say to the family, I'd say, now we're going to have to cut back on the hostess cupcakes. I'm asking you today to, to make up perhaps what, what, what maybe if you weren't here and you've probably already planned to do that. But uh, if you have given, then maybe you would consider even giving more. I'm going to do that myself for the time that we have. I'm not a, a browbeating preacher. I just want to make sure that we are always aware, why do I carry that and be stressed out all week? Why can't I just let you help me pray over that? And you know about it too. If you believe that, say amen. All right. So you know we need you to give today. So I appreciate everyone who will give. And the morning offering doesn't even stay here. It goes to world missions. And we do that because God has blessed us to honor the missionaries around the world. So all the loose offering that you give will go to bless the work that we support all around the world, including Little Barrow, Alaska. Also, for those of you who are still paying your building fund pledges, thank you so much. That's coming in, and, and we're at a very pivotal and important place, and I'll be making some very clear and precise uh, statements here in just a, a week or two, uh, and then we'll be having a big old town meeting where you can come and ask questions, and we can all talk about where we're headed and what's going on. So we're there, so I appreciate those of you who are still consistently giving to the building fund pledges. And if you haven't given to the building fund pledges, this is the best time to start because we're ready to turn dirt. So I really want you to, to jump on board with us and be a part of this big, big, beautiful plan. 
that God is giving us for the church and for the future. And for those of you who are faithful to God's word, who have learned that God's way is for us to pay our tithe. Thank you for your gifts and for giving to God through this local church. Let's pray. Fathers, we come before you. I have already given this to you. So now I publicly pray the prayer of giving the, the needs of the church to you, the needs of our missionaries to you. Lord, we didn't have offerings for them last Sunday. and We want to make that up. I pray that you'll help us, that you'll provide, and you'll lay it upon someone's heart, God, to be a part of making that happen. And I praise you and I thank you for those who will be consistent in their own giving and they will make up even what they were not perhaps uh, privileged to be able to do last Sunday. I just pray, God, you'll help us. We give it to you. We thank you because we know you will indeed take care of your church and you will take care of your people and you'll take care of the families who have all been inconvenienced as well through the last several weeks. We ask this, Lord, as we look forward to spring in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
to give him praise this morning it ought to be inside you you know Psalms doesn't say praise the Lord if you feel like it praise the Lord if you like the guy on stage or you don't the Bible doesn't say praise the Lord just because you, you just somebody told you to or didn't tell you to the Bible says in Psalms over and over and over again, praise ye the Lord. It's a command. It's a command. Praise ye the Lord. Praise him in the sanctuary. Praise him on the high sounding cymbals. Praise him on the trumpet. Praise him. Praise him. All ye nations, praise him. All throughout the word, praise the Lord. I'm telling you, you'd fight a whole lot less of the devil if you'd learn how to praise God. You wouldn't go through a lot of the things you're going through this morning if you'd learn to praise God. There's power in your praise. Why, the Bible even says God inhabits the praises of his people. So when you sit there all dolled up and you aren't going to praise because that preacher said to do it, You are just keeping God away from your house. Hear what I just said. You're keeping God away from your house. Shame on you. I want to praise him. I want to honor him. I want to lift him up and give him glory. Would you one more time help me to praise the Lord? Praise God. You can be seated. It's at quarter till 12. We've got not a lot of time today. I'm going to try. I'll fly through a message as quickly as I can if you'll, if you'll bear with me. I've got some, a few things I need to say to you. But before we do this, young man, I asked to 
come and share with you is a young man that I've known since the very day he was born. I was there. Out, not in, I was outside. <laughs> I saw this little guy, and he, I, I called him, my, my little nickname for him was Kai Head. Don't ask why, I just, Kai Head. Kyle Short is a young man that scared us to death. He was a young man that was lost. So lost. He scared us who loved him, Temple. I remember him standing, I can tell you the very spot, Kyle, where you stood in the lobby at your Aunt Louise's funeral. When I looked into his face and looked into his eyes and I said, that boy will be next. I said, he's not going to make it. But I want you to know, God is a big, big God. I love him. I love him very much. Now, he don't look like you, but he's beautiful in his own way, and he is a sharp, good-looking young man, and he is full of God's power and love, and he's washed and covered in the blood, and I want you to hear a testimony today by Kyle Short. Come on, Kyle. I love you. Thank you, Thank you so much. Seated. First thing I want to say up here is God is good. I want that to be the baseline of my story. Uh, the second thing is I've spoken at a decent amount of events, and public speaking terrifies me. Standing up here is an absolute weakness of mine. But when you give your life over to God, He takes your weaknesses and He makes them strengths, whether you like it or not. This is what happens. Um, my wife tells me when I'm nervous that I speak too quickly and that I do not talk into the microphone. So, uh, bear with me. Pastor Ray asked me to give my testimony and I normally have about 40 minutes to talk about how awesome God is. So I'm trying to cram everything uh, onto two and a half pages. Um, so, to begin, my name is Kyle Short. I'm 6'5". God's got a hilarious sense of humor. He wants me to speak in front of people, and he gives me this monotone voice. Um, all that aside, I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who was freed from the chains of addiction. Uh, July 1st will be seven years that I've been clean. It's all him, man. I firmly believe that the Lord has been more than merciful to me, to all of us. Uh, I used to struggle with trying to figure out why I'm still here. I've been clean for six years. I'm not doing anything. I take boxes from over here and I put them over there. I'm not helping people out. But God opens doors. So even trying to figure out where I fit into God's plan, I still believe sometimes that we're not supposed to know answers until a certain given time. And even then... There might not be things that I won't find that I, that I, I will not find out until I'm standing before him. And there's peace in that. 
So this is a summary of my story. Uh, I started out smoking weed early on in high school. You know, oh, it's no big deal. God grows it, right? He also, you know, made the tree of knowledge. Um, but I, I would have drinks with a few, few of my friends, but smoking pot was really where I found uh, enjoyment. It was a way for me to escape my mind, uh, all my feelings of insecurity that had been around since I was uh, in middle school. I, I hid them well. Um, I was just scared to be alive, man. I, I was tall from a young age. I was thin from a young age. Not that there's much more to me now. Um, and it, but it was as if I had a target on my back that said, I don't stand up for myself, I'm weak, make fun of me. Um, so escaping my mind was, was a, a, great, a great way um, for me to deal with, with my sufferings. I, I didn't feel inadequate. I did not feel insufficient. I did not feel as if I was suffering. It was just masked. But as with all feelings or medicines, they eventually fade. And uh, something much stronger is needed. And by the time I graduated high school, I was smoking every day. And shortly after graduating school, I graduated substances. I was never peer pressured to do heroin. I was never around it. Uh, never, never saw it. I went out to the back alleys of downtown Dayton. It wasn't in Middletown then. And I found it. Um, I chose to do it on my own. That voice that screamed at me that I was not good enough, um, that I would never amount to anything, that I, that I would never be happy. It got more believable as my life just flew by. And I developed this list for myself, and I'm not just talking to addicts here because we all have lists of unwanted and abandoned, uh, neglected, undesirable. I'm not just talking to the junkies. That list went on and on, past tense. All words that never truly applied, yet I gave them a place in my mind. The enemy knows our weaknesses and will do anything possible to make us feel less than what we are in the eyes of God and less than what we are in the eyes of the people who truly care for us, regardless of where you've been. Sometimes I believe that I chose to suffer instead of believing the truth about myself. Um, I got used to feeling pain because it was the emotion that I felt most powerful and it was the emotion that I felt most often. So that pain ultimately aided in making my choices of intake. I was shy. I didn't know how to speak logically. Not that I do now. I didn't stand up for myself or my beliefs. I got walked upon. I got chosen over and I got left aside. Or so I thought. So those thoughts gave me every reason in the world to numb my pains, and I did. I don't know how many days of continual use every day that it takes to become a full-blown addict, but the necessary amount of days have passed. And a new title was added to my list, Junkie. So I was unwanted, abandoned, neglected, junkie, useless, worthless, helpless, hopeless. Can any, can any relate? And a few weeks turned into a few months, which turned into eight years, eight years of heroin addiction. I had brief stints of recovery, but it, but it never really took because I had not yet replaced the void in my life with something greater than or equal to my choice of intake. And God is the only thing in this world that is greater than heroin and greater than any pain. Greater than any pain or struggle this world can throw at us. You don't have to be an addict to be struggling for, uh, with life. 
My triggers no longer control me, so throughout my recovery, the Lord has taken them from me. You know, we always hear once an addict, always an addict, and I understand that. I, I understand that, but I am not a slave any longer. And this is the part where I, where I would usually go into more detail about my triggers, but I'm not talking to a, to a room full of junkies. You know, I wear my nice pants today. <clears throat> but what, what I will say about them is that my father was never there for me. Pastor was there when I was born. My dad wasn't. So when we finally met when I was 22, all we ever did was smoke pot together. And it was a pretty huge letdown at the time. And it was the only bonding time that I ever had with him. And it was the only bonding time that I ever will have with him. But the, the feeling of inadequacy, it does, it's dust in comparison uh, to, to, to what it once was. But at the time, those feelings were too hard for me to handle. So I began abusing more and more and more and more. Uh, I began welcoming the thought of meeting death. I was much too weak to attempt a full-blown suffering. I'll just quit cold turkey. You don't realize how impossible of a statement that is. Why don't they just stop doing drugs? That ain't gonna happen, man. It takes time. But I began welcoming death. My mother would tell me about the dreams she would have where she was planning my funeral, and I began to wait for my last breath. I'm still breathing. I remember getting the phone call that my Aunt Louisa died. I, I was in my friend's bathroom shooting dope. Remember it. She's one of the few that helped raise me. My family's pretty much, it's like four, two and a half people, something like that. Really, really, really tiny. tiny. Um, so she, she was in, in that core group that helped, that taught me how to be a man. I still have a lot of her cards that she would send me to tell me that she loved me, but also asking me when I was going to come back to church, this church. I know she knows where I'm at today. Amen. Those cards turned into regrets, which we all have them, but there's no sense in having them because they will only bring you down. I cannot do one thing about where I was, what I've done, where I've been. I can't do anything about the fact that she was in the hospital for a week and I didn't see her one time. Loved her to death, didn't go see her in the hospital. I did nothing to see her before she left this world. So on June 30th of 2008, once again, I'm junkie and I'm suffering, you know, boo-hoo. But I contacted a, a clinic in Richmond, and they said, they'll take me tomorrow. All I had to do was show up and try. I had to decide that my life was not over. I'm not just talking to the junkies talking to people. I wanted to live so badly. I wanted to make up for lost time. I wanted to change my list of words that I thought about myself. Hopeful, found, restored, saved, recovered, changed, desirable. I began to see what everyone else saw. I saw the potential. I saw the ability. I saw strength to overcome the obstacles that life has given me because greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. 
I had to accept my status and make a valiant effort to change. Persistence is what gives the underdog the courage and the strength to succeed. Faith is what made David stand up to Goliath. Repentance is what gave Samson his strength back. Prayer and acceptance is what got Jonah out of that whale and back on track to where he needed to be. We've all got our whales. Mine was heroin. So moving forward has to be done by ourselves. No one else can move us. I've come to accept that I, Kyle, short in human form am a total, useless, absolute failure. I must realize that I'm not God, and when I stop trying to make a way for myself, he makes a way for me. Favorite verse, Hebrews 12, 12, and 13. It tells us to take a new grip with your tired hands and to strengthen your weak knees, to mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. God knows our strength. God knows our weaknesses and our strengths, and he may be asking for obedience before he turns those weaknesses into strengths. I would never have bet on me, but God did. So the moral of my story, sum it all up in the 10 minutes that I had, is that God's love never fails, and there will always be hope. This sun will always rise in the morning, regardless of how cold and alone your night may be, and I'm not just talking to the addicts, I'm talking to the people. Storms will always be on our path, regardless of sobriety, but without the rain, a flower cannot bloom. So my parting words are to, to all those who are suffering or dealing with life issues are to have hope. Know that our battles are won as long as we keep our head up and, can, and, and continue looking forward. There's, there's none behind us. So I had to suffer for a period of time for my sickness to go away and for my mind to return to me. But in comparison, it was a much shorter time than the time that I spent using. Life will continue to improve as long as we continue to try. I have faith in every person in the world that will stand up for themselves and make a change, do something different, it might be seemingly impossible, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> I always encourage everyone to read the word. I always challenge everyone to pray, even if you don't know what to say. Never feel that you're in no position to, to ask God for anything. No one here is worthless. Let me tell you that right now. He sent his son to die for us even when he knew what we would do with our lives, the messes that I've made, he knew about it. So Jesus died for our sins, not for our perfections. He believes in us and I believe in us. Hope will continue to live on, so why not choose to live with hope? That's my testimony, summed up. Thank you so much for your time. So proud of you. Thank you, Kyle. Now you know why I wanted him to speak to you. Aren't you proud of him? I'm proud of him this morning. But you know who, who I'm most proud of is God. I'm proud of God. God shows off. I think you are one of God's show-offs. God knows how to get in 
down in the middle of the most impossible situation and completely shock you. He knows how to take nothing and completely turn it around. How many of you have ever experienced a nothing impossible situation that God turned around for you? Look at the hands. Too bad you don't have the microphone. I get to share. In just a few minutes, I want you to bear with me for about 10 minutes. I want you to turn in your word to Psalm 127. And while you're turning there, I'm going to say this. The principles that, that Celebrate Recovery run on, and, and I loved what Kyle said when he said that he's not just talking to addicts. All of us come through life with hurts, habits, and even hang-ups. All of us come through seasons of hurt. Some of you, you're unforgiving. You're cold as ice. You don't welcome new people. You hate change. Do you ever ask yourself why? It's because of the things that you've been through in your life. We all at one time or one place or another in our lives, we need the same principles that help Kyle come back from dangerous, tragic addiction. Principle number one, realize I'm not God. I admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing. And my life is unmanageable. Happy are those who know they are spiritually poor. Principle number two is earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. Happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Principle number three, consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control, for happy are the meek. Those three principles were the very first three that we, that we teach and that we have, we learn in, in the Celebrate Recovery Program here at Stratford Heights. Those three principles, when I was studying them so that I could present them and teach them in the sanctuary, I was blown away by the way they affected me. I, so many times in my life, have tried to manage and control and tried to determine my own path. I've often said in disappointment to God, you didn't come through because he didn't come through the way I thought he should. How many of you know God never fails? He's always on time and he's always on design, I say. Because Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you. That's enough right there. God knows the design. He knows the plan that he has for you. I love what he said when he said there's no one outside of God's care. Everyone matters to God. That principle number two says that God exists, that I know he cares about me, that I matter to him. God cares about every part of you and who you are. He loves you. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not one of us in here today has got a free pass on 
never having been a sinner. You know, that's what I like to tell new people because sometimes people will come in and they feel so inadequate or unworthy to sit next to you or to talk to you because, you know, you're church people. One of the first things that comes out of my mouth to most people who come to Christ is a word of encouragement. Hey, I was where you are. We all were where you are. We all were filthy, rotten, dirty sinners transgressing God's laws, and we all needed Jesus to rescue us. Even the most prim, the most proper, the most religious person on earth, they had to bow the same knee I had to bow. And every one of us, when we understand that, that the ground is level at Calvary's cross, there are no big eyes and little U's. Every one of us matter to the Lord. When we truly get that and understand it, and our life begins to change and transform completely. I learned a very powerful lesson. I, I've, got, I've got like 18 pages here that I would love to preach to you. If you would stay till 2. But since I know you won't because you just laughed sarcastically. I will get straight to it. The scripture that we read. Psalm 127 verses 1 and 2. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. It says this. Except... The Lord builds the house. They labor in vain who build it. Except the Lord keeps the city, the watchman wakes, but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to take rest late, to eat the bread of anxious toil, for he gives blessings to his beloved in sleep. When I first really started understanding that and reading that, I was like, yes, Lord, we know you build the house. It's your church. You build the child. You build the families. You build. But it wasn't until I really started getting that. Because it says, except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. I started getting this idea. It says, except the Lord keeps the city, the watchman wakes, but in vain. There's our part. And there's God's part. We still have to do our part. One of my favorite psalms, I believe it's psalm, in Psalm 25, it says, Who will ascend to the hill of the Lord? Those who have a clean heart. I can't do that. I can't make my heart pure and clean no matter what. I can't change it no matter what. I can't do anything about making it pure and clean and holy. But it goes on and it says, Who will ascend to the hill of the Lord? Those with a pure heart and clean hands. That I can do. That's my part. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, except the Lord builds the house, they labor. We have to work. In vain, who build it? Except the Lord keeps the city, the watchman wakes. He has to wake up. It's vain for you to rise up early or take rest late to eat the bread of anxious toil. He gives blessings to his beloved in sleep. I started really, I've been really understanding this and been trying to, to preach even the last several weeks. I've been preaching on the power of God and how he is our helper. He's the builder of your marriage. He's the builder of your home. He's the one that comes alongside of you and helps you. You cannot do anything outside of the power of God. And that is the perfect illustration. The words Kyle spoke this morning gives us the beautiful illustration. He couldn't do it any better than anything I would come up with than to give his own testimony about how 
God rescued him. I remember a time, I won't go into the details, but I remember a night, an evening, when I, walked, I came over to the house, I was called over, really honestly thought this was like the last night of Kyle's life. And I remember seeing him in the state that he was in, and I was broken. And I saw it as an impossible situation, and it was. In the flesh, in every way, it was impossible. But I look at him today, and I'm like, but God, Bob, but God, Elaine, but God, God, God is that missing piece of the puzzle in everybody's life. God is the one. He leads, he guides, he directs, he's got the plan. Stop trying to figure it all out yourself. Quit, quit trying to take care of business on your own. Quit trying to make your own path. Quit trying to tell God what you want. Give it to God. Submit your life to him. What does he say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct your path. God wants to direct your path. God wants to direct your path. Stop trying to figure it out yourself. God wants you to work. You know what working in your path means? You just keep walking by faith. But it doesn't mean that you get the map out and you're the one figuring out the journey. Give that to God. Let God take care of you. God will show up, and he'll show up in miraculous and super ways, supernatural ways. God will always come along. And, and, and what I want to share with you, and like I said, I'm skipping so many pages. Maybe I'll come back and do this again. Tonight we have a very special service, celebration restoration service. It'll be one of those cardboard testimonies nights, and a lot of folks are going to share testimonies, and it's going to be a great night. Ron Ward is going to give us a, a word from the Celebration Restoration Ministry, and it's going to be an interesting evening. I, I may jump up at the end <laughs> and finish or, or something, but I'll, I, wanted, I want to get right to something that showed me. So the Lord showed me something so amazing. Not only did people get saved, and not only did people get touched and delivered, and, and it was a wonderful time at, at Barrow, and it was just beautiful to be there in the presence of the Lord and, and to meet the people and to eat their muktuk and to have all these experiences. But I'm not, I, can't, I can't get away from, from something that you, you, you probably know about if you follow on social media at all. I sent out this desperate cry to my church to my friends, my family, I sent out this message with praying hands, and I said, urgent, 911, please pray, pray, we're stuck here, we're, there's been a volcano, if you go, I'm like, when are you, when is your flight ever canceled for a volcano? I mean, that only happens on Gilligan's Island, it don't happen here. I'm like, I looked at the lady, I'm like, what? Yes, volcanic ash from Russia. Communist ash is coming over Alaska, Western Alaska, and all flights, Western Alaska, are canceled. No, you don't understand. We've got to get to Barrow. I have come, I will have come 4,000 miles to get to Barrow, and I've got to get there. I'm dedicating a building. Our church has helped build for four years, and now is Dedication Sunday. They're waiting for us. The place is packed. They're all dressed up. They got a big dinner, and they're all excited. The, ba the place is getting dedicated to God today. I have to go to Barrow. How can I do that? A helicopter? Another flight? When is the next flight? 
your next, this was Saturday morning, your next available flight will be Wednesday. No, 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 you don't understand. I'll be heading home on Wednesday. I have to get to Barrow. Can we drive? The lady was like, <laughs> but no, you're not driving. You can't drive. I mean, the Alaskan superhighway truckers can do it, but I can't. Not across the tundra. If you've ever been to Alaska and ever went to the North Pole, you know that there's nothing but, but tundra. It's, mountains are covered by the snow. I mean, you can't even see the mountains. They're so covered by snow. Hundreds and hundreds of feet of snow. And it's packed down, and, and there's no way to get there. You have to fly. Is there a helicopter? No. All flights are canceled. If they drop the ban on the uh, volcanic ash, you possibly could go tomorrow, but I'm telling you the, that flight is overbooked, and it's a cargo plane. You know what that means? That means there was half people and half tuna. I would be sitting there looking at chickens in cages going, Bark. So we're, we're desperate. I looked at Bishop Holder, Stan Holder, and I said, Stan, I said, this is terrible. And he said, this is horrible. I don't know what to do. Stephen Turner was with us. His wife let him go. And he was there experiencing, experiencing all of Alaska. And he's just shaking his head like, whatever. I'm like, we have to go to Barrow. We have to go there. We have to. And the lady was just like, I'm sorry. I said, give me some hope. I said, is there any inkling of a hope? Do you think that maybe I could go? No. Okay. So I'm going to go back to Middletown. I'm going to tell everybody, hey, surprise. I went to Anchorage, had a great time. And didn't get to go to Barrow. Didn't even get to meet the people or see the church or dedicate it to God. I was heartbroken. I couldn't even know how to talk. Stan didn't talk. I didn't talk. Stephen didn't talk. The way he talked to his wife. We go back to the house that we thought we were leaving. We walked in, and I went downstairs, and I looked up at God, and I said, God, I need to go to Barrow. I said, I need to go. I said, you've got to make a way. And I didn't hear anything. I didn't feel a leading. I did everything I could to work it out. I, I, I was, had Steve call his mom, who works for Delta Airlines. Is there anything? Is there, is there some weird tank that'll go? Is there any way that we can make this happen? Can we rent something and go over the terrain? I mean, we were literally this desperate. We were thinking, we've got to do something. I watched the Alaskan wildlife shows. There are, there are caribou. Can we get a caribou? Ride a reindeer, something, anything. I was desperate. And the Lord knows my heart was broken. And I sat downstairs and I prayed and I said, God, if it happens now, it's completely and totally you. And something immediately grabbed my heart. And the Lord spoke something to me. Because Stan had told us, he said, well, that flight leaves at 6. If we show up there about 5, 
if there is an opening, maybe we can shove you on the plane, Pastor Ray, and, and you can go, and we'll just, we'll just wait, and maybe there'll be two seats. We don't know, maybe three. But if there's just one, we'll shove you on the plane, and we'll go. So here we was the whole evening, and I'm standing down there, and I've prayed, and I've been quiet and somber, and I'm like, Lord, I've seen you do great things, mighty things. I've done everything I know to do. There's nothing else for me to do here. I'm, I'm out of options. I said, I don't want to go home and tell my church I couldn't go. I said, Lord, you have to make a way. And if you do, it's totally you. And all of a sudden, he spoke to my heart. And this is all he said. It was very spiritual. He said, go to bed. He said, go to bed because you're getting up early. You're going to bail. And I was like, Lord, is that me? Is that moose, moose tooth pizza that I just had? Is that me? There was a part of me. Have you ever doubted? I was like, Lord, is that me? Or is that you? He said, go to bed. Go to bed. You're getting up early. You're going to Barrow. So I went out and I grabbed Stan and I said, Stan, I said, I feel like the Lord has assured me it's going to be okay. I said, we're going to go. And he said, well, I hope so, man. So I knew his faith was in agreement. <laughs> I went to bed. Woke up at 4.30. We get our preacher suits on. So we're all dressed up. We go to the airport before anybody else is there, and we're standing with our bags. We're standing right there at the counter when they start to turn the lights on and they open it up, and there we stand. And the lady was like, wow. <laughs> she went back in a room. She was gone forever. By this time, lots of people are coming, and they opened up the flight. They said, overnight, the Russian volcanic ash turned and started going another direction. Google it. <laughs> I already did. I downloaded it. It was a miracle. I thought, wow, miracle number one. Volcanic ash didn't stop the flight anymore. So then I just sat there with my preacher suit on, just waiting for her. We just stood there right at her counter. I mean, everybody was like, sir, are you in line? Yes. <laughs> We're just standing there. She's gone forever. She finally comes out, and she is smiling from ear to ear. And she says, you're not going to believe this. And I said, tell me. Yes, I will. She said, they never do this. She goes, come on up here to the counter. I said, all right. She said, for some reason, they have completely changed the flight. She said, the cargo plane that they always send to Barrow, they switched it out for an airliner. And there's like 15 other seats that are now available. She goes, I guess you guys are on the flight. She said, but here's the bad news. There's a blizzard in Barrow, and the flight's delayed. 
And I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. So we were 45 minutes waiting on the flight, and then they finally announced, and we got up, buttoned our church suits, and we got all the way on there. We got on the plane, excuse me, excuse me. And I'm sitting there, and the Lord was just like, you know I did this, don't you? And tears filled my eyes. And I looked up as good as I could, right in the face of God. And I said, I know you did. This is you. You care about the smallest details of our life. You care about it. And if you need to, you'll turn volcanic ash in the other direction, and you'll give us a new plane if you have to. But you'll do it for your people. You will move heaven and earth for your people. You, if we will just get a view and a vision of what God wants to do for the child of God that will stay obedient and faithful, if you will stay the course, fight the good fight, don't give up in the race, but hold on to the very end. God will always come through. Always. I felt the presence of the Lord. I'm, I'm bawling my eyes out. I'm like, thank you, Lord. This is awesome. And I'm like, yes, you did this. You gave us a plane. And they had leather seats. And it, had, it was awesome. It had a monitor in front of it. I could watch the whole trip. And I was like, this is awesome. Luxury. God, you do it. You do it right. And I'm like, then I'm like, whoa. That means he really wants us there. That means we're on mission. Something got a hold of my heart, and I was like, I am on purpose. We are on purpose. So then all of a sudden, I was like, mm. devil, you tried to stop it. But Jesus reached out and grabbed a new plane and made it happen. You turned it around. Now, you may not think that's a big deal, but I'm telling you, I was having a Holy Ghost time on my way to Barrow. And by the time we got off the plane, we land at the Barrow Airport in the blizzard. And it is horrific. It's terrible. But I was so confident by this time. I was like, bring it on. Bring it on. I don't care what the snow, I don't care about the wind. The plane was turning sideways while we were landing. And I was like, bring it on. It's all right. I didn't care. I got off the plane. They, they said, you go to the church. We'll get your luggage. I'm like, okay. I get in the car. We go to the church. We walked in. 165 of those precious, beautiful people at the New Beginnings Church. They're sitting in the audience. As soon as they see us, they started shouting and praising God and clapping and whistling. And they were so excited. They were like, God's brought the preachers. And man, by that time, we were already ready. The Spirit of God fell in the place. When I got up, I don't even remember getting up. I sang the love of God. That tore them up. And then we got into preaching, and I don't even remember what I preached because I didn't even look at my notes. I just got up there and started preaching. And when I got done with that, they had so many saved, we didn't even know how many there were. And there were so many people blessed and touched and praying in the altars that I was like, mm-hmm, that's all right, because it was God. God builds the house. And if God builds the house, then it's really going upright. And when God puts it together, if you trust in the Lord and don't do it yourself, I wore myself out trying to figure out how I was going to make a way. And the Lord taught me the most valuable lesson I'll ever know or learn in my life. When it's all said and done, go to bed and trust God. Let God, you rest and you do whatever you can do 
Do everything God's called you to do, but put it in his hands and stop worrying about it. Stop letting the anxiousness and the worry drive you nuts. The stress is not of God. We need to know who we serve and how powerful and mighty he is. You don't have to figure it out on your own. Stop being all stressed out. Stop being all angry. Stop being a a fuddy-duddy. Stop being that person. Start being the guy that'll lift up your head, O ye gates, and trust in the Lord with everything you've got and let him make a way where there is no way. We got to that place and I started preaching by that. I mean, I was preaching to those people. I started telling them, God gave us a brand new plane to get here. And those people were like shouting all over the place. They were so on fire. It was so great. But God taught me the most powerful lesson in all my life. He taught me that at the end of the day, know that he's bigger He's bigger. He's grander. He can take care of the attic in the street. He can take care of the worst situation. Find the the one that is the, the hardest, the most impossible. That circumstance, that situation that you cannot figure out what to do. Give that one to God and watch how he turns it around. That husband will get saved. If it's impossible in the flesh, then that's all the more glory to Almighty God. Trust him for your children. Trust him for your job. Trust him for the church. Oh, as a pastor, I'm excited because I've been on my prayer, on my knees, Sister Beulah, and I told God, I said, I don't have to pastor this church by myself. I just give it to you. I let you build the church, and you build it on you. You build it on the rock, and you are the one that will take care of it. It makes everything easier when we begin to truly understand there is great confidence and trust in giving it all to God. When you give it to God, you win the championships. When you give it to God, you win in every area of your life. You will come out of it. If God means you to be in Barrow, sweetheart, you're going to be in Barrow. It's going to happen. God's got a calling on your life. God's got a plan for your life, a design for your life. There isn't a devil in hell. There isn't a devil or demon in the world. There is not a person that will keep you from it. You cannot be denied God's plan for you. He will make it happen. You be faithful. You be trusting in God Almighty. And don't let one discouraging thought hinder you in your walk. Man, let God have his way. You can trust him. He's not just another alternative. He's not just, I tried these things, well, I'll try this. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the answer. And when we truly get that and understand that, it's going to turn our church upside down. Oh, I want our church to turn upside down. I love you. I love you with all my heart. When I was away, I I knew how much I loved you. I wanted, I wanted to know how it was going. I heard you had a blizzard, and you all weren't even going to have church playing hooky. But I was worrying about you. I was praying for you. I love my church. I get defensive over you, too. I'll fight for you. I love you. I honor you for rescuing me as a young man at 18 years old. I thank you for what you represent and who you are. But I want you to know something. It's not about you and me. It's about God planting a work, a plan, a design in this community that will reach the people who need the message that Christ can rescue them. He may, the enemy may drive you down. He may nail you to the floor. He may do his best to kill you. 
He may come as a thief, but I'm telling you, Jesus Christ gets the last word, sister. He is the one who gives life and life more abundant. He is the one now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that's at work in us. That's our God. Stand with me this morning. An old song. I wrote the words to it down. Without him, I could do nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail. Without him, I would be drifting like a ship without a sail. Without him, I would be dying. Without him, I'd be enslaved. Without him, life would be worthless. But with Jesus, thank God, I'm saved. Oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, do you know him today? Please don't turn him away. Oh, Jesus, my Jesus, without him, how lost I would be. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, I know we've kept you today. I try to be very, very observant of the clock. I really do, I promise. But in the few minutes that we have, I want to ask you if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We had a young lady get saved this morning. But are you here? You need the Lord in your heart and in your life. You need him to change and transform your impossible situation. Perhaps you feel like you've gone as far as you can go. And there seems to be no answer for your situation, for your life. I'm telling you, he is waiting, ready to prove himself powerful in your heart and life. I want you to accept him today. The Holy Spirit's already doing the work in you. All I got to do is make the invitation. So I'm doing that now. I'm asking you, if you need to accept Christ into your life, would you just acknowledge that with an uplifted hand all over the sanctuary? If you're here today and you need to pray a prayer of salvation to accept Christ into your life, would you just slip up your hand? Amen. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank God for these that lifted their hands. Is there, is there another? Preacher, I need to pray. I need Jesus. I want him to be Lord of my life. I want him to change planes and change the atmosphere for my life. I matter to him like you do. Are you here today? You need the change. Who am I waiting on? I'm waiting on someone. Are you here and you need Christ? I'm going to wait just a few more seconds. Don't turn him away. He did a lot for you. He died on the cross for you. Gave his life for you so that you could have this moment where your life turns around. You'd say, Pastor, I need to get right with Jesus this morning, and I don't care who knows. Just lift your hand right where you are. All right. I'm going to close it out. We had some who lifted their hands. I want them to, we're going to pray with them. 
Then we're going to pray for us as a church. I want you to have confidence. I want you to believe and have great faith in a God who will come through in miraculous ways for you. That that he did for us in Barrow was to prove to us and to show us that he can do anything, that nothing's too hard for him. We need to know that because sometimes somebody else's story, it doesn't touch us. We need to remember that what he's done for one, he'll do for you. Let's pray a prayer of salvation with these folks. If you're here today and you need to accept Christ, it's just words that we're going to pray unless you're praying it from your heart. If this comes from your heart, you get heaven's attention. And Christ knows right where you are. I've seen people get saved in the grocery store. I saw someone get saved last week at a restaurant. <coughs> I've seen people get saved in backyards and living rooms. They're in some special magical place where you're supposed to get saved. You're making an altar at your seat right where you are. Mean it with all your heart and your life is going to be transformed and changed forever. Jesus loves you that much. So we're going to pray. And I'd like, I'd like to ask everyone, if you would, to pray with me. Would you help? Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I'm a sinner. I failed you. I need a Savior. I need rescued. I want you to be Lord of my life. I want to live in your will, your plan for my life. I know you died on the cross. You rose from the dead, and you are the Son of God. You purchased my salvation with your sacrifice. I accept you as my Lord. According to your precious word, I believe it in my heart. I confess it now with my mouth. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. If I hadn't kept you so long, I'd bring you to the altar. But reach over and take someone by the hand. Father, we pray today. I pray for my church. I thank you so much for them. Lord, I thank you for what they've meant to me in my life since I was a teenager. I thank you for these people that love so good. I pray that you will bless each family touch every life, every heart, every child, touch our young marrieds, touch our, our older marrieds, touch our seniors, touch our children. I pray, Father God, that you would bless us with a, an understanding, a revelation of your power in our lives. Help us to get a, a sense, like what Kyle said, of your scripture, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Help us to see that. Help us to truly understand that, to live out the miracles, God, that you desire for us. Your word tells us that you walk to and fro on the earth, looking to pour yourself, show yourself mighty on behalf of your people. Lord, when you're looking to show yourself glory, when you're looking to show yourself powerful, please come looking in Middletown. We love you, Jesus. I pray for every heart in life to be strong, to be discipled, to be mature in the word, 
to grow in the relationship with God and to leave, Lord, the, the beggarly elements, the childish things. Let your work be accomplished and done in all of us today. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, as your church leaves this building, may your church go out spreading the good news of the love of God everywhere they go. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.